Assalamu alaikum. Super pleased to introduce Andrew Miles, Head of Engagement and Consultation at Transport for London. He has worked on some of the biggest projects our capital has seen, and some we haven't seen for various reasons, like the Garden Bridge, but we won't get into that. He is super passionate about consultation and does a deep dive into its importance. And rightly so. We all have a voice when it comes to local infrastructure programmes here in London. We wouldn't want others to call the shots on how things go forward. So let's speak up and use the voice we've been given and start being active citizens. I'll let the expert go into it some more. Over to you, Andrew. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the GAPT podcast. I am pleased to announce we have Andrew Miles in from the TFL. How are you doing, Andy? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Uh, so just tell us a bit about yourself, your background and uh, what you do in TFL. Uh, so I'm Andrew Miles. I've worked for TFL for um, about 20 years, I'm very proud to say. Uh, very happy, very proud to work here. Um, I, I, for the last five, six, maybe seven years or so, I've worked in, in TFL's consultation team. Uh, and these days I'm, I'm one of our local consultation managers. So I manage um, a portfolio of consultations on, uh, for the most part, major changes to roads, but also some other things as well related to taxis and so on. Excellent. And uh, so I've spoken to Andrew before and he's super passionate about consultations and he's going to talk all about it. But before we do that, uh, what have you worked on previously? Any major projects? Quite a few, yeah. So um, I was involved in uh, various consultations. There were probably about three or four on something we call the East London River Crossing Programme. So we wanted to build some bridges and some other crossings in East London. Uh, And then the Silvertown Tunnel that's being built now. Oh, is that definitely going ahead? That's definitely going oh, ahead. Um, relieve all congestion at Blackwall. Okay. Um, I've been involved in consultations on uh, pedestrianising Oxford Street. We did a couple of things there. On uh, the Garden Bridge, if you remember that from years ago. Yeah. Didn't yep. actually go anywhere, but yeah, I took yeah. care of that. Um, I've consulted on changes to the congestion charge. Um, I've consulted on various uh, cycleways and cycle future routes over the years as well. So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Andrew. What uh, insights can you give us in the next five, ten years? What's TFL working on that perhaps our listeners won't know about? That will affect all of us, really. I, I think your listeners would know what we're working on. So, um, and there's no secret to it. There's no sort of secret plan. So everything that we do kind of falls out from the Mayor's Transport Strategy. And that has as its core aim... Uh, for us to achieve um, 80% of trips made by bike, on foot, um, or by public transport by 2041. So everything that we do is 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 intended to achieve that aim. So we're focused on cycling um, on this podcast, Andy. Andrew, uh, do you cycle yourself? I'm going to be honest and say I don't cycle anymore. I used to <coughs> cycle a lot. Um, I lived uh, in an old house about three miles from my nearest station. And I bought myself a really nice road bike. I loved that bike dearly and loved bombing up and down to the station and back. And then somebody pinched it and I was so heartbroken that I just couldn't face it anymore. And now I live close enough that I can walk. And actually, I quite enjoy walking. And that's an important point to make as well, that being active isn't just about cycling. Being active is just as much about walking. And that's just as much our focus. It's on helping people do both. Absolutely. So um, we're a few years... Uh, into COVID-19, you can't say we're out of it just yet, but we saw the face of London change pretty quickly. Um, you, or TFL, introduced something called the London Street Space Programme. What was that? 
so that was an emergency response to the to the pandemic. It came about um, in I would say May 2020 or thereabouts. There was a direction from the Secretary of State for Transport, uh, Grant Shapps, to every highway authority in England and Wales. And I'm going to quote now: that the instruction was to rapidly reallocate road space from traffic to to what we call active travel mode, so people walking and cycling. And and Grant Shapps gave us that instruction, gave everybody that instruction for several reasons. If you if you and your listeners cast your minds back to that sort of time, my memory of it is that it was we had lovely weather. Yes. And my memory is also nothing there was not a lot to do. None of the Absolutely. shops are open, none That's of the right. pubs are open, the cinemas. Uh, and my memory is is people um, putting quite a lot of of value in some quite simple things about going for a walk as a family, about going cycling, and 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 it was clear that there was this this sort of upswell in interest in being more active in taking advantage of this amazing country that we live in, um, and and Grant Sheps made the point that that was uh, something that we all needed to build on, and there was a lot of concern at the time that as the country began to move out of the pandemic, if social distancing was going to remain a fact, um, as people started to travel more, there would be less space on, on buses and trains and so on. And so people, if they were to carry on traveling, would need some way to get about. And if there wasn't some way to travel other than the car, they would use their car. And in cities like London, some of the bigger cities in the country as well, that would mean that roads would become much more congested than anybody could manage. It would mean our environment would become significantly worse. It would mean buses would be delayed and taxis, the emergency services, freight and servicing would be delayed as well. So um, that instruction from the DFT, to, as I said, to rapidly reallocate road space to cyclists and pedestrians, that began a programme of, of introducing as quickly as we could um, uh, schemes, first of all, to help people to safely social distance. Most of those schemes have been withdrawn now because there's, there's no requirement to do that. Not all of them, some of them are still in place. Uh, there are also a large number of schemes that involved upgrading existing cycle routes um, and, and doing everything that we could to make them look attractive to people who hadn't thought about giving cycling a go up to that point. And there was also a plan to look at uh, sections of roads that we called corridors and, and, and think much more um, intensely, of it, intensively about what we could do to help people move along them in the best way that we could. And the Bishopsgate scheme um, down from from Liverpool Street is a really good example of that, of where we've restricted the road to everything, to all traffic, um, and, made, and given it over to a much greater extent to, to, to people on foot or on a bike. And so, what are we looking at? So, <coughs> you talked about restrictions. Uh, I also saw extended pavements. Uh, sometimes I saw uh, armadillos placed on the roads to uh, give safety to cyclists. Uh, what other uh, things did you put out? Maybe subtle changes that maybe the, someone may not have noticed, but uh, is still significant. Um, it would depend. And actually, you can go on our website and, and, and have a look. Um, so, uh, yeah, have a look at haveyoursay.tfl.gov.uk. And you can, you can see our Healthy Streets Hub that we call it, and it will give you all of the, the details of all the schemes. So it, it involved doing things like segregating cycle lanes from traffic. We, we put in place these flexible wands, we call yes, them, yeah, to, yeah. to make people feel like traffic couldn't encroach on the cycle lane. And banning turns is a really important 
thing to do. Lots of collisions in, in London in which people cycling are hurt are caused because traffic turns into or out of yeah. a junction. Yeah. Um, so it was really important that we took steps to make people safe. Um, and it was just as much about helping people who hadn't thought about giving cycling a go, the encouragement to, to give it a try and keeping people who are already cycling safe because there's far too many people that still who are hurt in collisions in absolutely London. absolutely so how did you how did tfo engage london's communities on the street space program yeah it's a really important point so um ordinarily we would um consult uh, communities and stakeholders and others when we're proposing to make a change to the road network or proposing to change to a bus or how long does that take usually it would depend on the scheme um from from start to finish, I would say probably up two, three months, sometimes a bit more. We need to review the, the, the responses we get to the consultation and think about them. It's a few months, yeah. I would say. And um, uh, onto the street, uh, street space program then? How did you get Yeah, so um, it was because it was an emergency program and because you know, it was something we needed to do, we needed to, to give people the opportunity to safely social distance. We needed to, to follow the DFTs instruction and, and reallocate road space to pedestrians and cyclists so there wasn't the scope to consult in the way that we ordinarily did what we did instead was something that we called ourselves active listening so we, that would involve us writing to people who were living in the vicinity of one of these street space schemes to tell them we're making some changes to your road this is what those changes are this is why we're making them and this is how you can tell us your thoughts and your experiences of, of, of those changes. We made it clear that we weren't consulting, but we did want to give people the opportunity to talk to us about the effects that these schemes were having. Were having. And what we did um, was to uh, analyse that feedback. There was a huge amount of it. There, I mean, street space involved about 50-odd schemes okay. at, at its height. Um, so there's lots of feedback. We, we made the best sense of it we could. Uh, we thought about what the issues were people were raising and, and what we might best do to respond to any of the, 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 the negative issues that were coming through. And we'd repeat back to, to the people who've been talking to us, this is what we're hearing from you and this is what we are going to do about it. Oh, excellent. So you did take on the feedback even though it wasn't a consult consultation per se? A million percent, a million percent. And you can look at several schemes. I'm, you know, Go to the website for yeah. the details and you'll see emails that we sent saying... We hear what you're saying. These are the changes that we're going to make. Okay, excellent. So where are you at now with the London Street Space program? Well, um, so all of the schemes that we introduced through Street Space were introduced uh, temporarily. Um, whenever you make a change uh, to, to a road, or in most cases where you want to make a change to the road, you need what's called a traffic order to make that change legal and enforceable. And for Street Space, we used temporary traffic orders for the most part. So they have um, an 18-month shelf life, if you like. Um, after 18 months, you have to either take the scheme away or you have to make, in, in the parts, another traffic order to, to, to make that scheme gotcha. legal and enforceable. So would all. that come with a consultation and all the usual... Uh, it would come with a consultation, yeah. not in the usual way, though. Okay. So um, the first step was to look at each of these temporary schemes that we introduced to, to list, look again and, and think again about the feedback that we've been getting from people who live nearby. We've been collecting a huge amount of monitoring data about how buses performed, about cycling rates, um, impacts on road safety, um, impacts on other traffic and, and how long they were taking to move about. 
and there's a, a, a consideration, should we keep this scheme, this temporary scheme, does it have value? Um, bearing in mind that as London comes out of the pandemic, it will be more important than ever that we help people to walk and to cycle, and we can come on to the reasons for that later. So uh, just going back to your consultation, uh, what's mm. the purpose of TFL's consultations? Um, so the, the, the idea is that we hear from as many people as possible with their thoughts and views about whatever the proposals are. Um, in some cases, people will say, uh, why don't you make this change to the scheme or that change to the scheme? And that's absolutely valid. That's perfectly fair enough. Um, but us listening, we can't prove that we're listening to those changes only if we make them or not, if yeah, you follow me. Absolutely. Um, cons there's an old phrase, consultation isn't a referendum. It isn't about us reaching out to people and trying to find some sort of majority of people who support something or, or not. It's about what the issues are. Um, we consider them on every single case, we consider every single issue that comes through and if uh, a person or a group of people raises an issue that we think, hey, we need to do something about that, we need to change these proposals, we will. But if we don't change the proposals, that doesn't mean we haven't listened. Um, and often what you find is that the, the calls for, for changes to be made to a scheme conflict with one another. You'll have a group of respondents who say, to, to, for sake of argument, paint it red. And another group of respondents will say, no, no, paint it blue. And, and we can't do both things. Yeah, We're in this sort of impossible position. Yeah. But even if, you know, whatever we decide, that doesn't mean we haven't listened. We do listen. We listen very closely. Absolutely. So um, how do you respond to the criticism that TfL gets sometimes that you don't listen to requirements? I guess you went over it in, in a way, but how do you get that across to people who... Uh, consult with you and those who don't as well well it's a discussion and a, a conversation I think that we're always going to need to have and it's an important one to have um, consultation is part of a person's democratic rights everybody who lives in the city has a right to take a view about um, about transport policy and about a huge number of matters and it's really important that they they have their say when the opportunity to, to, to express their thoughts comes along um, what I'd say it sounds potentially a bit flippant, but you know, if a person says to you, Junaid, you go and put the kettle on for me, please, and you say, make your own tea, frankly, I'm far too busy, that doesn't mean you haven't heard them, that doesn't mean you're not listening. You have listened, you have heard, yeah. you've just chosen a different path. Um, and I go back to that point about the, the conflicts with these things. If you look at the, the outcome of, of most consultations, you'll see people asking for completely conflicting things yeah. and it will be totally impossible to please everybody. Um, and it comes back to the, the, the point at the beginning, which is the mayor's transport strategy. We are trying to achieve something for the good of everybody who lives in London and that is to help people to travel in a way that is more sustainable than, than using the car. Um, and that will benefit everyone, whether you want to cycle or walk or not. If there's fewer cars on the road, people who have to use a vehicle would, would get a much more efficient journey. Yeah, Andrew, you're in here to encourage others and to educate as well uh, on to why we should uh, consult and apply for these things and let your let our voices be heard. Uh, what other ways are you getting people to, are you encouraging people to um, interact with consultations? Well, we've, we've taken a lot of steps over the last years, uh, last couple of years, to learn lessons about the way that we engage and that we consult people. So as a standard, 
Now, for every single t consultation TFL publishes, there will always be um, an easy read version of the material, so that's something that a person with learning difficulties could understand. There's an easy read version of our, our consultation survey as well, so not only can they understand what the proposals are, but they can understand how to give us feedback. We also publish a British Sign Language video of the proposals, um, and there's an audio track incorporated on that, so people with a, a, a visual or a hearing impairment can also reply. Um, and we've been using a new web platform for about the last year or so, and that includes an auto-translate function. Um, so whether you speak Welsh or you know whatever it is, yeah, yeah. you'll be able to translate the materials in a, in a way that you understand. And then we've come up with new ways to, 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 to sort of engage and enthuse people about these things. Um, uh, I think one of the things that the pandemic did was, was show to everybody that the value and, and the potential that, that digital tools have. Zoom was a word that didn't mean very much before the pandemic, but it means something very different now. Absolutely. We don't use Zoom, we use something else. Yeah. But having these sort of online platforms where people can come together uh, in, a, in a much easier way and have a conversation, that's something that we're doing more and more as well. So what kind of, uh, I don't know if you can go into numbers, but or even if you have the numbers, what kind of demographic usually responds to London? So London is, I don't know, um, very, very diverse. Um, however, I imagine the people cons uh, replying to your consultations isn't isn't actually so. Well, we ask. We always include demographic questions when we we publish a consultation. Um, it, there isn't any requirement on a person to fill them in. We ask about people's gender and and faith and and ethnicity and sexuality, uh, and it's completely up to whoever it is that's replying whether they want to tell us those things. More often, people aren't telling us. Okay. Um, and they have their own reasons for that, and that's fair enough. I'd encourage anybody who's replying to a consultation, fill those things in. They're completely anonymised, and, and we use that information to help us understand the extent to which we're reaching all of London's diverse communities. The other thing I'd say is reply to a consultation. If something comes through your door, if you get an email, you see a poster, you read something in the paper or online or something like that, where somebody is saying, we want to do this, you really should have your say. Um, it's really important. As I said, it's a, it's a democratic right for everybody. And, and we all are affected by these things. People who cycle and who don't cycle alike are affected by the, the extent to which we're able to invest uh, in active travel. I just want to echo what you said. So um, you're saying even if you agree with a scheme, you should jump on there and say you, you like the scheme and don't have, it, have the preconception that because you've laid it out, you're going to go ahead with it. So you need that support as well, isn't it? Totally, absolutely, we do. And it's a, I mean, somebody saying, "I think this is good, I like it," is just as valid as somebody saying, "I don't think it's very good, I don't yeah. like it." So absolutely, you should. I mean, the the alternative is that we are all content for other people to have their say for us, if you like. Yeah. And I wouldn't be content with that. I don't know if you would be. Yeah. I bet you wouldn't. I bet your listeners wouldn't be either. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, just a few more questions then. So what uh, cycling consultations are coming up? What should uh, we get involved with? Yeah, we've got two coming up um, on the 9th and the 10th of May. So um, these are new ways uh, for us to consult. So we've made uh, one of the temporary schemes that we introduced through the Street Space Programme was an upgrade to Cycle Superhighway 8 between Lambeth Bridge and Chelsea Bridge, just on the north side of yeah. the river in yeah. Westminster. Um, and we, uh, it would have been 
a few months ago, we made the decision to keep that scheme. So it was coming up to the end of that 18 month uh, period where we had to decide should we keep it or not. Uh, and the decision we made was to keep it, but to keep it experimentally. Um, and that's using a different type of traffic order. It's probably far too dull to get into that for you listeners. But it basically involves us uh, having the ability to test the effects of a scheme, if you like, in, in sort of real terms over another 18 month period. And at the end of the 18 months, again, we have to decide, has this experiment been a success? Shall we keep this experimental scheme or has it been a failure? Should we make changes to it? Should we get rid of it entirely? Uh, so there's two consultations coming up that, that work according to that experimental model. Uh, so the first is on, on the upgrade to Psycho Superhighway 8. Uh, we made some changes to Mansell Street in the city of London as well. That was, that was introduced experimentally. Consultations on both of those things will be on our website. As I said, it's um, uh, haveyoursay.tfl.gov.uk. Um, the consultations themselves run for six months, and the purpose of them is to, to give people the opportunity to tell us about their experiences of, of either using or of, or, or of the effects of those schemes. So we ask lots of questions about... Um, uh, the effect that the scheme is having on people's ability to walk and cycle and use the bus and so on. Replying is probably a job of about five, ten minutes or so okay. at most. Um, and if people are interested, as I said, go on the website, haveyoursay.tfl.gov.uk or you can email us, um, that's haveyoursay at tfl.gov.uk um, and we can get you on our mailing list and we can send you the details through in the two consultations. Excellent. So um, you've spoken about a few cycling uh, infrastructure programs in London and obviously we've seen a massive boom in the last 10 years. You know, I started commuting 10 years ago from Ilford into the city. CS2 wasn't around. Mm. I remember uh, coming up to Bow, three or four lanes, bus, buses. It was jam-packed. Now CS2 is quite safe all along that path. Mm. Um, and you've invested heavily all across the, uh, London um, but much has been made in the news of the financial troubles TfL are going through currently um, isn't it like uh, in your interest not to invest in cycling not to promote cycling because you could say you're taking people out of trains and buses and therefore losing uh, revenue no not at all so um, under the financial sort of position of TfL we have a deal with government to provide us with funding up to June. There's been several sort of temporary deals. Uh, the latest one ends in June. And all the way through, we've been making the case to government that we need a long-term financial settlement. We need the funding uh, to, to, to continue to transform London, to continue to, continue to bear down on, on reducing the number of people who are hurt or are killed in, in collisions, on improving the quality of our air, reducing the dominance of the car and, and, and traffic throughout London. So um, in, in terms of kind of our incentive, um, a big um, uh, chunk of our funding, as you've said, comes from, from the fares box. So there's a, several million journeys a day made on the tube, but there are more journeys made on buses. Um, and buses um, suffer from traffic just as much as freight or servicing does or taxis or, um, or the emergency services. And, and giving people who can the option to travel in some way other than by a car um, will only help buses and will only help all those other modes uh, uh, as well. Um, and that will mean that the bus becomes more attractive 
uh, and then it, it becomes easier for us to continue to invest in these things. And as I said, everything rolls down from the mayor's transport strategy um, and, the, and the transport strategy itself was subject to lots of consultations and lots and lots of scrutiny. The mayor was, was voted for by, any other, by more people than any other politician in the country. So he has a huge mandate as well. Um, and that, and the, the transport strategy directs us to, to bring about 80% of trips uh, by bike on foot or by public transport by 2041. So, you know, we're not there yet. I think we're in the, the mid to, to 70s. Oh, really? That's Something like that. That's pretty good still, no? Still. It's, it's excellent. There's, we made a huge stride, but there's a lot more to go. And as I said, there are still people who are being hurt in London yeah. in, in collisions, and that's totally wrong. And we work to a vision zero um, uh, ethos in which we want to make sure that nobody is hurt or killed uh, in, in London uh, on, the, on the public transport network. Yeah. And it's really important that we get there. Andrew, thanks for coming on. Any closing remarks? Um, no, reply to consultations, you know, yeah. tell us your views. It's really, really, really important. If you want this stuff, if you want to cycle safely, tell us. Reply to consultations and tell us. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.